We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on everybody happy tuesday welcome into another episode of the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl was quite the Monday. Of course, we officially learned of the Aaron Rodgers trade and the parameters of the deal. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that today because I did a full emergency podcast episode on that yesterday. If you missed it, definitely make sure to check that out. But uh, I think I think a couple things here. A, one of the things I mentioned uh, in that emergency pod was that it didn't seem like Green Bay was going to be taking on any additional of you know salary of Aaron Rodgers, which is a very good thing for Green Bay. Um, it does sound like Green Bay actually put in a request that they could make a sort of like a procedural move to Rogers deal that Rogers and his agent will sign off on and that will need to take place. And then you have to have another day before you can actually trade him. So this might be a couple days until this actually gets finalized, but it sounds like that procedural move was at behest of the Packers and their request and not something that the Jets wanted changed with the contract, which again is a huge win for Green Bay that this does not mean that they are taking on more money or more responsibility or anything like that. For the most part, it sounds like this is going to be the same contract that everyone expected, the same salary cap hit that everyone expected, and it's just going to be what Green Bay gets in return from the Jets. And the Jets, of course, will get Aaron Rodgers in that trade and he will become their hope for the next season, maybe a little bit more. And they have a lot of chips in the Aaron Rodgers, uh, on the Aaron Rodgers table, and they are all in at this point. So I think one of the things that I, I also just wanted to go over quickly, and again, I'll, I'll probably leave it there because as monumental as this is, again, I just did the episode yesterday on it. The, as, as still jarring as it is to see Aaron in the Jets uniform and the trade parameters and have this in a way finalized, like I said, I know it's going to take a couple days for it to be final final and we get the actual Packers.com, Aaron Rodgers has been traded to the Jets, etc. It wasn't as jarring as it could have been, right? And I think as this sort of offseason progressed, I do think there was a natural inclination for some Packer fans, if not a majority, to start, even if they weren't on board with trading Rodgers, at least to have a natural inkling of like, I wonder if it's kind of time to move on. Like you could tell there was a little bit of that process that Packer fans were already starting to begin with as the offseason started. 
And then you sort of had the darkness retreat and it was going into March. And I think you got a lot of Rodgers fatigue. And that's not saying that Rodgers was at fault or the Packers were at fault. I think you just had this general fatigue of this entire Rodgers offseason drama that was now happening for the third straight offseason. And I think people were just like, you know what? I don't care if it's trade, retire. He's back with the team. I just want this thing done with. But you did seem to have this level of fatigue with the entire situation. And then you had Rodgers come out on the Pat McAfee show and announced that his intention was to be a New York Jet. And that was kind of like the first like sort of ripping of the Band-Aid where you're like, okay, I felt that. I know he's not going to be a member of the Packers. I know there were some that were still holding out hope and convinced that he was going to be a member of the team still. And then we got the parameters of the deal finally yesterday. And that was sort of the the final nail. Although again, that will happen in a couple of days when it's officially official, but it, it, it wasn't as jarring as it could have been. If all of a sudden, like when Rogers went on his darkness retreat, if right at that time it was announced that Rogers had been traded to the Jets, I think that would have been a pretty intense situation. But I think since we sort of had this trickle down of again, fans kind of feeling natural, like, is it time to move on to having the fatigue? to Aaron announcing he wanted to be a Jet, to finally the trade parameters done over the course of almost an entire offseason, really going from uh, end of season last year when they lost to the Lions to right before the start of the draft. I think that entire process made this a little bit easier to swallow. I, I know clearly some are excited about the you know what transpired. I'm certainly excited about what Green Bay was able to get in return, and I think a lot of people are as well. Uh, but I think ultimately, anytime you have something this monumental take place that is going to reshape your organization, you kind of enjoy the fact that it. Maybe we didn't enjoy the process, but it, you at least didn't have to have this aggressive rip of the bandaid, and it did have a little bit of a natural progression to it. So didn't feel as jarring. And I think we can all appreciate that in some capacity. All right, enough about Rogers today, though. I do want to jump and you know, I know it's, it still seems crazy that we're just going to sort of, you know, fly over that to some extent, but it is draft week. And I do want to get right into this because I think this is a really fun episode to go over and discuss. And of course, we're going to talk a lot more about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and what this means. Again, if you missed my episode yesterday, check it out. Also tomorrow, I'm going to be chatting with Aaron Nagler right here on the show. And we are going to, I'm sure, break down the entire Rodgers situation, go over the draft and so much more. So make sure to subscribe and you'll, again, check that out tomorrow as Aaron and I break everything down on there. But Let's get to the main topic, and that is my 25 players in this year's draft that scream off the page, that scream off the tape as potential Green Bay Packers. Green Bay, we know, has a type. We know they like athletes. We know all the things that they like. And to me, the 25 players that I'm going to be going over today are the ones that just absolutely scream off the page as potential Green Bay Packer draft picks in this upcoming draft. What this is for you is your cheat sheet, is your spark notes, is you know your cliff notes version of if you didn't want to do the homework and you didn't want to study 400 prospects, I'm going to do my best to give you the 25 names to know right before the draft so you know exactly which ones to cram for before the test that happens on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I'm going to be breaking down a variety of players at a variety of positions throughout this draft, some at the beginning, some in the middle, some at the end, so even a, you know an undrafted guy or two, so that you know the names to sort of keep an eye on all throughout this draft. So that is my goal for you today. Now, a couple notes here. 
A, these are not necessarily my guys. These are not guys that I'm pounding on the table for saying like, I really hope Green Bay gets these guys. That's not what today is for. This is more identifying players that I think Goot is going to have a target on. Again, we know the type of players that he looks for. I'll go over that in just a second, but that's what I'm trying to predict today are the players that I think the Packers and Brian Gutekunst are specifically going to target in this draft. Um, the other thing is I'm not going to be honing in so much on pick 13. You know the players that pick 13. I'm going to go over one guy that, again, jumps off the page. So I'm going to go over one. But for the most part, this is second round and on. And again, you guys know all the players at pick 13 that are going to potentially be fit. So it didn't seem like a good use of anyone's time to go over that. And the last thing is just because they scream off the page, and just because I think these are very goody type players doesn't necessarily mean they'll be there. In fact, I've got like seven, eight guys that could go between like the beginning of the second and like the end of the second. They have two picks. They can't take all of them. So uh, it, again, it, de- it depends on who's there. It depends on which ones are taken. And just because they ultimately look like Packer players doesn't mean that they're ultimately going to end up in Green Bay. But I would be pretty shocked if Green Bay doesn't end up with at least two or three players from this list, especially with the draft capital that they have. I'm also not going to bring up, at least in my list of 25 players, Adetawamua Adeboare. I'm not going to talk about him today. So he would generally be on this list, but I've talked about him enough already. So he will not be on my list today. What Green Bay generally looks for, they love height, weight, speed, good size, good weight, good strength, good good speed, right? The, The triangle of exactly what every NFL team looks for, height, weight, speed. They also love extremely athletic players, those high relative athletic scores, meaning they test out incredibly well at the combine and usually means that that translates from their combine testing to what it shows on the tape so that you are getting these high-end athletes. And if you look at the players that generally hit in the draft, they are generally 50th percentile RAS score, you know, players are higher. And usually the better RAS score is the better athlete. It doesn't necessarily mean they're the better football player, but those are the type of players that Green Bay has aggressively gone after. They love agility testing, short shuttle and three cone. They love super young players. So if they're 21 or 22, they're usually going to prefer that over 23, 24, or even 25, some players in this draft. And they love premium position players, although we know they need to fill out a roster still. So they're going to love those premium position players still, but of course they need to fill out everything. So everything's still going to be on the board in some capacity. And I will just shout out one more time, the Green Bay Draft Guide, which is done by Packer Report, did a phenomenal job of putting a lot of these players together, did a lot of research on my own, did a lot of RAS research, did a lot uh, you know, of um, looking at the Packers visits and who they brought in and all of their types and all those sort of things. But Green Bay Packer Guide powered by Packer Report. If you haven't checked that out yet, highly recommend checking that out as well. All right. I'm going to go over these and I'm going to use Dane Brugler's top 300 rankings for each of those players. So the first one on my list is the 10th player on his board. And it's the only guy I'm going to go over that is probably in play at pick 13. And that is Lucas Van Ness, the edge rusher out of Iowa. Before I get there, I just want to mention one more thing. I'm I'm going to go through these as quickly as possible. I'm not going to go through massive scouting reports for each player because if I do, this is going to be a three-hour long episode and nobody wants that. So these are going to be small Cliff Notes versions of each of these players so I can get through all 25 and so you know the 25 players to study for prior to the draft. So Lucas Van Ness, edge rusher from Iowa, 9.39 RAS score, freak athlete, only 21 years old, turns 22 in July. 
He hits every edge rusher threshold that Green Bay generally looks for. He slightly missed the broad jump, but not enough that it would ever play a factor. He's a premium position. He'd provide edge rusher depth. He's a high-end prospect. Exactly the type of move that you've seen Green Bay make early in the draft under Brian Gutekunst, especially. He's a former hockey player. He was never a starter at Iowa, which just doesn't that scream Green Bay Packer. This is the ultimate jump off the page Green Bay Packer at number 13. And I do think that at number 13, with them moving up a couple spots, it makes it more likely that Lucas Van Ness is actually there at that point. So again, you know the majority of the players in play in round one, so we're not going to go all over all of them today. But to me, the one that absolutely has screamed off the page from day one, the absolute most as potential Packer people has been Lucas Van Ness, the edge rusher from Iowa. All right, number 30 on Dane Brugler's big board is Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia, 9.88 RAS score, 98th percentile plus athlete, only 21 years old, turns 22 in August. He also made a visit to Green Bay, which as I've noted earlier, as of late has definitely meant something. Green Bay values those visits and they've been taking more and more players that they ultimately visit with. This is a huge position of need. He comes from the University of Georgia, which Eric Stokes and Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker, and we've seen this story play out over the past couple of seasons. He hits every tight end threshold. And we also know that he's a great scheme fit with Matt LaFleur. He's a really good blocker that should be able to develop into a phenomenal blocker. He has upside as a receiver. It's a projection, but the upside is absolutely there. Some run after the catch ability with his strength and ability to run people over. This is a Packers tight end through and through. And somebody that I would expect to be very high on their board overall. All right, number 45 is close. And there's one reason why it might not totally be on their board, but Cody Mock, the offensive line out of North Dakota State, 45th on Dane Brugler's big board, 9.87 RAS score at guard. So at tackle, it's a little bit less, but still really good. But at guard, it's the 98th percentile. He hits every athletic threshold and target at offensive guard. He has tack or he played tackle in college. He's going to move inside probably to guard in the NFL. How many times have we seen the Packers do that over and over where they take a tackle in college, move him inside, and it works out phenomenal? This would probably be the latest in a series of moves that have paid off very big for Green Bay. He has offensive line versatility. As I mentioned, he played tackle in college, could probably, you know probably play that in a pinch in the NFL, probably a guard. Not sure he has center versatility, but still might have three or four position versatility along the offensive line. He's got the teeth missing. He's used to playing in the cold. Like this is a ultimate Green Bay Packer player. The only thing that's not, he is 24 years old and he will turn 25 or he turned 24 in January. He's going to turn 25 next January. So during the season, basically, he's going to turn 25 years old. So he's definitely overage. That's the one thing that doesn't necessarily check a box, but everything else about Cody Mock screams Green Bay Packer. All right, 51 is Tucker Craft. Uh, 51 on the big board is Tucker Craft, tight end out of South Dakota State, 9.68 RAS score, 22 years old, will turn 23 in November. It's all the athletic targets at tight end. He's a developing blocker with upside as a receiver, and I do think he has some real fun potential as a receiving threat. You kind of get the mix of both worlds. It's a position of need with blocking ability, pass catching ability, high-end athleticism. This is that more and more I think about it. I know the Sam Laportas of the world, the Luke Musgraves are going to jump off in round two and, and the Packer fan and Packer fans might expect that. 
Watch for Tucker Craft and do not be surprised if he's the guy in round two that they target, even if Luke Musgrave or Sam Laporta are on the board. Don't kill the messenger. I'm just telling you what I think could happen based on Green Bay's previous uh, drafts and what sort of the tea leaves sort of lead us to believe on what the Packers types have been over the course of Goody's career. All right, number 52 on the big board is Jack Campbell, the inside linebacker out of Iowa. Not sure how aggressive Green Bay is going to be targeting an off-ball linebacker after picking Quay early a season ago, but talk about a guy that once again screams off the page, Green Bay Packer, 9.98 RAS score. It's all the inside linebacker targets and thresholds. 22 years old, will turn 23 in August. He would fit perfectly together with Quay Walker. They would complement each other incredibly well as a great blend of athleticism, but brings a little bit more physicality at the point of attack, can get back in coverage, really great size. Again, I think this would be a really fun pairing with Quay Walker moving forward. Number 54 on the big board is Matthew Bergeron, the uh, interior offensive lineman, what I'm going to call an interior offensive lineman out of Syracuse. He played tackle. Um, I think he would kick inside to guard in the NFL. He's a 9.82 RAS score guy at guard. He, like I said, another one that would probably go from tackle to guard, which Green Bay loves to do. I love this player, by the way. Turned 23 in February, so still young enough. Not quite in that 21-22 range, but just turned 23. It's all the athletic thresholds at guard. And again, I think he would be able to probably play left guard or right guard, maybe even pinch out to left tackle or right tackle if absolutely needed. And we know how much Green Bay desires that versatility amongst their offensive linemen. All right, number 55 on his big board is Gervon Dexter, the defensive lineman out of Florida, has a 9.53 RAS score. Again, hits all the athletic thresholds that they look for along the defensive line. Only 21 years old, will turn 22 in October. A premium position along the defensive line, a position that needs more depth. 6'5", 3'10", so we, we know Green Bay loves their size amongst their interior defensive linemen. And he is the exact type of traits-based pick that Green Bay has loved to take along the defensive line in the third round. Now, to be fair, one, he could be gone in the second round, but two, the other thing to be fair is that they haven't had great success with those type of players in the third round. I do think Dexter can be a really nice fit with this Packers defensive line and would be a great rotational player right away along with Clark and Wyatt and Slayton, etc. with this group of defensive linemen. All right, number 60, uh, on the big board is Isaiah Foskey, the edge rusher out of Notre Dame. 9.61 RAS score, 22 years old, will turn 23 in October, meets all the athletic thresholds along the edge rusher position. It's a premium position. You have a great mixture of size and some athleticism with some pass rush ability. He is going to love to collapse pockets. He's going to love to set an aggressive edge in the run game. This looks like a Packers type, looks like a Packers player, and could very much be in play at the end of round two for Green Bay. All right, Jatavius Quan Martin, the safety out of Illinois, a player that I've talked about a, a few times as of late, 9.29 RES score, did not do the agility testing, however, just turned 23 years old, also had the visit with Green Bay, slightly below the weight threshold, but hits everything else, a key position of need, and not many safeties fit what Green Bay look for in this draft, matches perfectly what Green Bay needs and wants at the safety position, and should fit very well into Joe Barry's defense. 
All right, number 82 is Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver out of SMU. 9.53 RAS score, just turned 23 years old, hit every wide receiver threshold, visited with Green Bay. It's an area of the draft that I very much expect Green Bay to target wide receiver with, and he has tremendous production, which Green Bay also values at wide receiver. The only thing that he doesn't is he doesn't have a lot of special teams value, but if you're taking a wide receiver around that range, not necessarily paramount that they have special teams ability. So Rasheed Rice, definitely somebody in that 82-ish range that I think could be in play for Green Bay. Number 86 is another wide receiver, Jonathan Mingo, the wide receiver out of Ole Miss, seems to be climbing up draft boards as of late. 9.87 RAS score, just turned 22 years old, hits every wide receiver threshold. Again, a position of need at wide receiver, and an area that Green Bay is likely to target around this, this period of the draft, was a team captain in college, wins with size and athleticism, can play on the outside, which not a lot of wide receivers in this draft can. There are a lot of smaller, undersized slot type wide receivers, but Jonathan Mingo, can do it on the outside and do it incredibly well. So uh, that could easily be a player that is in play at a, you know that end of third round-ish range for Green Bay. All right, number 88 is Corey Trice Jr., the corner out of Purdue. 9.65 RAS, turns 23 in May, 22 right now, meets all the thresholds. There is some Kevin King type athleticism here. Now, we don't need to go into Kevin King as the football player, but Kevin King as the athlete was an absolute freak. And you see some very similar testing with Corey Trice Jr. I think Trice is going to be a little bit more physical, fits on the outside. If Green Bay wants to be a little bit more aggressive on the outside, which I think Matt LaFleur wants to do, not sure if Joe Barry's ultimately going to listen or not, but this is the type of athlete that Brian Gutekunst attacks at every layer of the draft. And this is an exact type of corner that he fell in love with, with Kevin King. I think Trice will be a better NFL player than Kevin King was, but has that similar type of athleticism at once again, a premium position. And in my opinion, not a ton of corners in this draft that look that fit what Green Bay looks for. Corey Trice Jr. is definitely one of them. Number 90, Luke Schoonmaker, the tight end out of Michigan, 9.86 RAS, meets all the tight end thresholds, position of need, blocking ability, athleticism. I, I think he's a day two or a, a a day two tight end, but probably a number two tight end from day one in the NFL. The only issue here, 24 years old and will be 25 in September. So very overage. It's one thing Green Bay tends to stay away from, but I do think they need to really build up this tight end room. And based on his extreme high end athleticism and based on his ability to block, there's just not always a lot of those guys can play in line. I do think Shoemaker will be in play for Green Bay on day uh, day two, round three for, for the Packers. Next one I really think is a Packers fit. Isaiah McGuire, edge rusher out of Missouri, 9.53 RAS, did not do the short shuttle or the bench. Slightly worse three cone than I think Green Bay would ideally like, but only 21 years old, will turn 22 in July, premium position edge rusher. This is a Preston Smith type player. You turn him on, you see a lot of Preston Smith in his game, and I beyond love the value there You know, in round three for Green Bay. If they can get a edge rusher with starting upside in round three that has some Preston Smith to his game, man, talk about having Preston and Rashawn Gary right now, and then you really kind of have Isaiah McGuire, and then you know a really nice group of rotational edge rushers at that point. Obviously, Kingsley and Igbari being in that conversation as well. Really like that edge room if they could get Isaiah McGuire on round three, or at least around there in the draft. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, number 110 on the big board. Ricky Stromberg, interior offensive lineman out of Arkansas. 9.75 RAS score, 22 years old, turns 23 in November, meets all the athletic thresholds for an interior offensive lineman, great agility for his size, has played both center and guard in his college career, has some versatility there, and I do think would be able to immediately come in and compete with Josh Myers for the starting center job, which could just be up for grabs this offseason. Number 112, Israel Abanaconda, a running back out of pit, 9.63 RAS, hits all the running back targets, 20 years old, 20 years old, turns 21 in October, 216 pounds with incredible athleticism, led the FBS in both scoring and touchdowns a season ago. He has size to develop as a blocker. He's not quite there yet. And this is a Lambo runner. Like it just feels, in fact, I think is one of his biggest athletic comps is Amon Green. You can see a little bit of that to his game. Really fun player. Like I said, only 20 years old. He would be definitely a player that I think Green Bay would target in the middle of the draft at the running back position. Number 136 on the big board is Dontavian Wicks, the wide receiver out of Virginia. Visited with the team, 9.17 RAS score, only 21 years old, will turn 22 in June, hits all the thresholds, a key position of need that, again, I think they're going to target in this area of the draft. Unfortunately, there's a little bit too much Jamon Moore here, struggle with some drops, struggle with learning the new offensive system a season ago, but I don't think it's necessarily going to hold Green Bay back from targeting him, especially with the high-end athleticism and just overall ability that he possesses at wide receiver and another player who can play on the outside. Number 159 on his big board is Zach Kuntz, the tight end out of Old Dominion, a 10.00 RAS score, a 100th percentile athlete at the position an incredible athlete, 23 years old, turns 24 in June. It's clearly all the athletic thresholds at tight end at another key position of need. He's a developmental receiving tight end that has upside to be everything that you want at the tight end position. He's not there yet, completely inconsistent in just about every phase. If he wasn't, we'd be talking about him as a first round tight end just based on athleticism alone. But most importantly, we had George Kuntz and we could say Kuntz. We had John Kuhn and we could say Kuhn. And now we'd have Zach Kuntz and you say, Koontz, and what more could you possibly want from the draft than that? And that's all I have to say about that. Number 168, we have Josh Wiley, the tight end out of Cincinnati, 8.98 RES score, did not do the bench press, 6'6", 
248, an athletic specimen, 23 years old, turns 24 in September, slightly light on weight, especially for a 6'6 frame, but that's something that should bulk up over time. Visited with the team, it's every Green Bay athletic threshold at the position, a position of need, develop t- uh, developmental tight end, testing didn't quite match the tape, projects is probably a wide tight end with upside, but I do think this is, again, exactly the type of uh, player that Green Bay is going to target. Look at fifth round for Josh Wiley somewhere in that somewhere in that range, and I think that would be a very strong fit for the Green Bay Packers. All right, number two nineteen. We're winding down here. Number two nineteen on his board is Evan Hull, the running back out of Northwestern. Nine point three two RAS score. Twenty two years old, turns twenty three in October. It's all the targets. Did come short in the short shuttle with a forty one percentile score there. And one thing that could hold him back a little bit. 202 pounds uh, with extreme athleticism at the position, which usually if you know have that little bit more weight, usually you're going to be able to develop as a run blocker, or pass blocker, excuse me, blitz pickup guy. Came in for a visit with the team, speed, size, and like I said, the big thing that he needs to do is develop as a pass protector. Number 261 is Mahmoud Diabate, the linebacker out of Utah, 9.11 RAS score, only 21 years old, turns 22 in May, had a 99th percentile broad jump, potential to be a absolute core special teams player, hits all the targets, and has some former edge rush uh, ability and, and, and positional versatility as well. He's not going to be an edge rusher in the NFL, but that former edge rusher and pass rusher experience gives him a little bit of juice as a blitzer and something that he does a little bit better than most at that inside linebacker position. Number 272 is Ryan Hayes, the offensive tackle out of Michigan. 8.90. Yes, somebody under a 9 RAS score. 8.90 RAS. Premium position at offensive tackle. Turned 23 just in February. A Michigan offensive lineman. We've seen that before with John Runyon Jr. It's all the key targets. Good size, agility, mix. And here's the big thing. Did not give up a sack in 2022. So you're talking about somebody who played left tackle at the University of Michigan, didn't give up a sack all last year, tested through the roof, and is expected to be around a seventh round pick. Does that not sound like a Green Bay pick to you? And here's the other thing. Like, I know people will look at it and be like, you know, there's a lot of things that need correcting. Some of the, um, you know, some of the technique needs a lot of work. Sometimes, like Mark Tauscher, I'll use for an example, they're two different players completely, but Mark Tauscher, it was not the sexiest way to play offensive tackle in the history of the NFL. But you know what he did down in and down out? He got the job done. I see a lot of that same thing with Ryan Hayes. Screw everything else. He found a way to get the job done, did not allow a sack. Yeah, it's going to be hard in the NFL. He's going to have to adjust. But I do think that's the type of player that if you can get in the seventh round, like why not take the flyer at that point? Number 278 on the big board is Bryce Ford Wheaton, the wide receiver out of West Virginia, 9.97 RAS score, turned 23 years old in March, hit all the targets except for production, just didn't have a ton of production in college. The classic seventh round upside play for Green Bay at wide receiver. We've seen many of these in the past. Ken Dorsey, Charles Johnson, Charles Lee, uh, we could go on and on. We've seen a lot of them over the years. 6'3", 221 pounds with a 4'3", Freak athlete with massive upside. Again, the exact type of player you want to target in the seventh round of the draft. Number 285 is Scott Matlock, a defensive lineman out of Boise State. 9.66 RAS score, 
turned 20 or will turn 23 in June, excuse me, visited with the Packers, hits all the athletic thresholds, a very similar type of uh, rotational defensive lineman that Green Bay likes to target in round seven of the draft. And by the way, had a seven sack season in 2021. So he's shown a little bit of ability and upside as a pass rusher as well with 32 games starting in his career. Again, athletic upside with long-term starting capability, showed some ability to get to the quarterback. Again, that's a really good type of pick in the seventh round of this type of draft. And then last but not least is an undrafted free agent type, Trevor Reed, an offensive lineman out of Louisville, who was their starting tackle. Had a, if you move him from tackle to guard, has a 9.94 RAS score at guard. And I think he would be a better guard than he would be a tackle. An extremely inexperienced player. Didn't start playing football till his sophomore year in high school. He's a complete ball of clay. Will turn 23 years old three days from now. And again, would be a tackle the guard transition, maybe have some versatility. But this is just one of those guys you might even end up, you know, if you sign him as an undrafted free agent or a late seventh round pick, you might even end up cutting him and bringing him back on the practice squad. But the upside here is tremendous with Trevor Reed. And you get, like I said, this raw ball of clay who can develop into a starting offensive guard, in my opinion. Again, late in the draft it's worth just taking a flyer on the upside there. Again, 99th percentile athlete at guard if he makes that transition. So those are my 25 guys that you can keep an eye on. Some quick honorable mentions, A.T. Perry, the wide receiver, Mozzie Smith, Anthony Johnson Jr., the safety, Jason Taylor, the second, the safety, uh, Luke Whipler, the the center out of Ohio State, Tyson Bagent, the quarterback, and then Jordan Howden, the safety as well. Those were some honorable mentions on my list. Not including honorable mentions, my list included five tight ends, four interior offensive linemen, a lot of those making the transition from tackle, four wide receivers, three edge rushers, two linebackers, two defensive linemen, two running backs, a safety, a corner, and an offensive tackle. Notice not many safeties on that list, although there are a few in that honorable mention. A lot of tight ends expect Green Bay to target tight end early and often in this draft. And last but not least, I did a quick mock draft. And just to see like, all right, could I fit these guys in in a logical mock draft? I did it using Pro Football Network's mock draft simulator. Just so happened, I did one run through. Just so happened at 13, I was able to get Luke Van Ness. 42, I was able to get Darnell Washington. 45, yes, I know I wasn't going to mention him, but I was able to get Adetawamiwa Adabaware uh, out of uh, Northwestern at 45. Tucker Craft, the tight end at 78. 116, Jonathan Mingo, the wide receiver. 149, Corey Trice Jr., the corner. 207, Evan Hull, the running back. 232, Tyson Bajant, the quarterback that I mentioned in the honorable mentions. 235, Ryan Hayes, the offensive tackle out of Michigan. 242, Jordan Howden, the safety that I had the honorable mention on. He also had a visit with the team. And then 256, Trevor Reed, the offensive tackle or guard that I mentioned from Louisville. That's a raw ball of clay. So I was able to kind of get a lot of these guys in a, you know, one turn mock draft simulator. So didn't fudge anything, just went through it and saw if I could target those guys. And it just happened to play out that way. So again, I'm not saying that's the perfect draft. They need to get better safeties out of this draft and might need to go in a few different directions. I'm sure Brian Gutekinds is going to move all around the draft board, especially with his newfound draft material. But these are a lot of guys that I expect Green Bay to have high in their list. Keep an eye on all 25. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see how many they end up with. It'll be fun to come back to after the draft and see if I was able to pin a couple of these correctly with the, all the picks that the Packers ultimately have. Going to be a very fun draft. As I mentioned tomorrow, I'm going to be right back here tomorrow with Aaron Nagler. So make sure to subscribe, hit that notification button. We'll be a can't miss episode. We're one day closer to the draft. Aaron Rodgers just got traded. It is absolute chaos. Make sure to be right here following the Packaday podcast. That does it for me today. Today, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.